And while he's thanking those folks, let me take this opportunity to thank all of you, our listeners and support staff, our contributors, our interns, the volunteers, producers, and the entire crew that works countless hours to bring WBAI into your lives. Hi, this is David Amram. You're listening to WBAI New York. 99.5 on your FM dial and keep on listening. City Watch. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and I'm glad you've tuned in this morning. At City Watch, my co-host David Brand and I bring you conversations with newsmakers and with policymakers, and we discuss the news of the day as often as we can. David is off today. Uh, he'll be back on the next show. I believe we're preempted next week, so he'll be on in two weeks. Uh, much of our shows in the last few months, admittedly, have focused on the world around us. We focused heavily on COVID-19 and the response of our city and our state and our nation. And while New York City continues to witness a significant drop, thankfully, in new cases of the virus and continues its reopening phases, many more jurisdictions across our country are still facing or are now facing surges of the virus. So this virus still continues to impact our lives significantly and in many ways. I was just exchanging with a friend on Twitter about a story in the New York Times today about how Midtown Manhattan looks like a, a, a desert right now. Uh, no tourists, few workers. Uh, it's going to take considerable time for this recovery uh, here in New York City. So we will be following that in the coming weeks and coming months. But as often as I can, I want to go back to pre-pandemic days when on our show we focused on other issues of the day, such as the environment, for instance. And one topic that I discussed a few months ago amid the pandemic uh, was on animal rights. Now, I was I focused heavily on uh, in interviews with the North Shore Animal League and Animal Haven and the Animal Medical Center in Manhattan on our pets and COVID-19. And I also interviewed someone with the uh, association that represents zoos and aquariums. And so we focused on the pandemic largely, but we really did not get to delve deeply into the rights of animals. Uh, Admittedly, I find it very difficult to absorb when an animal is harmed. And I think back uh, to my early days as a reporter back in uh, when I worked at a newspaper in northern New Jersey. And this story has stuck with me for years. I cannot get it out of my mind. I covered the court appearance of a man in Garfield who was uh, accused of abusing a kitten. And when I first reported the story, a number of advocates showed up in court for his hearing and I just remember how difficult it was for me to understand and absorb how someone could abuse a, a, an animal like that. And we're speaking, I'm now 50, I just turned 56. I had to think about that, 56 a week ago. Sean, you haven't wished me a happy birthday, by the way. You could do that on air later. Uh, and I think back that this is 30 years ago, probably a little more than that, when I covered the story, and I just cannot get it out of my mind. I'm a pet owner, I own two dogs, and each day I try to give them the best lives possible, and that's very important to me. And I know that there are so many other issues involving animal rights, and that's why I wanted to go further into this today. So I've got three fantastic guests. The first coming up in just a moment is New York State Assembly member Linda Rosenthal, who successfully introduced a suite of, of initiatives involving animal rights. Then Erin Bernkrant, who's the executive director of NICLASS, which you may have heard about because of their fierce advocacy to protect the welfare of carriage horses, but they do so much more. And then rounding out the show is Allie Feldman-Taylor, who is the founder and president of Voters for Animal Rights. So here in New York City, as the 2021 elections across our city begin to ramp up, 
uh, for everything from mayor to controller to the city council seats. She'll give us, Allie will give us insight into the organization's decision-making process when they decide who to support in, in upcoming elections, as well as in the current primary that we just had. So let's get to my first guest, New York State Assembly member Linda, Linda Rosenthal, who represents the 67th Assembly District. That includes the Upper West Side, where I used to live, and parts of Clinton Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan. Elected in 2006 after serving 13 years as the Manhattan District Director and Director of Special Projects for Congressman Jerry Nadler. Uh, Assemblymember Rosenthal has passed more than 70 laws that have helped improve the lives of all New York State residents. Assemblymember, welcome back to City Watch. Thank you, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks so much. I've got my dog sequestered in another room because on a recent show they could not stop barking as our listeners heard. So they're in the other room right now on Chew Toys. So hopefully they will not interrupt us. Bruno and Stella. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Of course. I have um, Kitty, my cat named Kitty, just looking at me because I fed her some treats because she was yowling. And she might yell again if uh, if she wants more. So that's who's with me. <laughs> These are the measures we have to take on live radio. So correct me if I'm wrong. I read that yes. you have passed more than that you've passed more than 20 laws focused on animal welfare since you began representing the district. When and how that's- did your advocacy be- for the rights of animals begin? Okay, well, that that is right. I've passed more than 20 since I was elected in 2006, and I have 60 more waiting to be passed. But when I, when I was first elected, um, I read about how another state had passed an order of protection for a companion animal. And I thought, this is amazing, and we don't have this in New York. And what I learned subsequently is that People who abuse animals often later go on to abuse people, and animals are the target of so many, many people out there. And so I did pass that into law in 2006, and I'll never forget how lobbyists and colleagues and others said to me, well, why animals, suggesting there may be a more worthy human cause I could take up. And that inspired me to delve much deeper into the animal welfare world. And I learned how lacking New York State was and still is in um, making sure that animals have protections in the state. And now, of course, animal bills are some of the most popular bills in the legislature. And, you know, they're really a bipartisan issue. And the people who vote, who vote about animal rights, that's like their number one issue. So it's a perfect niche. It's animals need protection. I love animals. I have two kitties. Um, I don't eat animals, which I used to do before I started this. Um, And people are demanding it. So it's so important. It's not a cast-aside category the way people sometimes have portrayed it. And uh, it feels great helping a sector that actually can't thank you. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So this past week, there was partial success. The New York State Senate passed a bill that you've co-sponsored on the assembly side that would not allow animals from commercial breeders to be sold in pet stores. Talk a little about this and why this has been important to you and about the prospects that this will be able to get through the assembly. Yeah, definitely. Before that, I forgot to mention that just just this week um, was a one-year anniversary of the signing of the law to ban the declawing of cats, which um, I sponsored. And we're we're the only state, the first state, to ban declawing of cats. And so... It's also important when New York does something, other states follow, and that's what's happening with the Cathy Claw Bill, or law. Um, now, this one is hard because there are lobbyists spreading misinformation uh, about what, what and who are sold in pet stores. So in 2013, I passed the law that allowed local municipalities to pass laws to regulate pet dealers. And that was needed to help local governments 
to better regulate pet sales to protect consumers and animals. But we, we've continued to see puppies being brought in from other states like um, uh, North Carolina, Missouri, and they are sold in our pet stores. And it's part of the um, pet puppy mill to pet store pipeline. So in the Senate, Senator Janaris was able to, um, to get it through. In the Assembly, um, that is where the lobbyists focus their attention. And they brought up uh, pet store owners who cried and said that, you know, they only got their pets from reputable breeders and et cetera, et cetera. So I said to them, and I said to them more than a year ago, um, show me, send me your documents, uh, introduce me to the breeders. And this was, uh, this was multiple lobbyists representing different parts of the um, puppy mill pet store pipeline. And no one responded, and I asked numerous times. And the reason is because they cannot show that the animals they buy for sale, that they ultimately sell, um, come from breeders that are not puppy mills. The preponderance of pets, of dogs uh, and cats, come from these horrible breeders um, who really, it's a, it's a factory. You know, they have um, female dogs breeding consistently constantly and then they're just discarded when when their breeding time is done they live in filth in trapped in small cages often no veterinary visits no water it's just a factory and the animals that are bred are often genetically compromised because of this inbreeding that happens there so what happens is you know the breed the pet stores buy their animals from these puppy mills, they look cute and adorable and people fall in love with them and spend thousands of dollars on a, quote, you know, breed specific animal. They take them home and then they find that the animal is sick. They have to spend so much money on veterinary bills and often the animals can't be cured. They can just be treated. Um, and when they fall ill and sometimes die, the owner is left like devastated. Why do we need to have this uh, happen in New York State over and over and over again when there's a simple solution? And the solution is, and that's part of the bill, is to have stores that sell, you know, like PetSmart or Petco. What they do is they sell all the accessories that people need for their animal and they feature adoptable animals in the store. And that's what this bill would provide for. You know, uh, humane societies and, and other rescue organizations would come to the stores, show the adorable cats and dogs and bunnies that they have. They will be adopted for a nominal fee. And then the person will buy the litter and the leashes and the food and the toys sustaining the pet store. And the shelter animals will be adopted. There's no need for New York State to support puppy mills, and this bill will did, do it. Unfortunately, this, we ran out of time this year. Yeah. I was going to say, did this get this situation get worse because of the demand that we, you and I and many of our listeners probably read about, that there was such a demand as people were being quarantined or sequestered in their homes that they wanted companionship so that there was more of a uh, desire by these puppy mills to kind of churn out more pets? Absolutely. It was amazing. There were, there were lines around um, the corner at stores that we felt the state should have shut down because the inspections of those animals were were cut short. There is no no one coming into the store to make sure that all the rules are being followed and that the animals have actually been um, been seen by a veterinarian. That their all their information is present. Who knows how much work was being charged because the animal shelters were. Um, had given away a lot of the animals because people quickly adopted them at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so, but that so was I the know, same way. 
So I know that we have limited time today, and you and you mentioned you had sixty more, for instance, and there were one yeah. or two that I did that I did want to bring up that I think are important for our listeners to know about because it's things that people might not necessarily more broadly think about that are very good ideas. And one of the other measures you've been calling for, and I'm fascinated by this, is an animal cruelty database. So can you talk a little about what that would entail? Sure, and I've had this bill for quite a while, and. Um what it would entail is people sometimes go to shelters and rescues and adopt animals because they will abuse them. They're either used for, you know, fighting rings or, you know, sometimes pit bulls, and pit bulls are often the last ones left in shelters, are used, you know, for criminal activities. Um, people can just go into a shelter and, you know, say you want a dog, and then you get the dog. There is no way right now to track whether the person you're giving it to is a, is an honest uh, animal lover or someone who has nefarious intentions for the animal. The, the, once the, my bill is enacted into law, there would be a database which already exists in counties around the state. It just would be aggregated in one place where the shelter could look up and see if that person has ever been convicted of an animal cruelty crime. And then they could refuse and should would refuse to adopt out that animal. Um, I know when I adopted my kitties from AC&C, there, there was, I mean, there was no check and there is no procedure to check that someone has uh, never abused animals. And so this would protect, uh, protect the animals you know, that are just waiting to be adopted so they don't fall into the wrong hands. And uh, another measure that you are advocating for involves uh, uh, an uh, how animal crimes are kind of categorized and where they are housed. And right now they're housed in the agriculture and market section of the law. Uh, but you want to change that. Uh, where do you want to change that to? Yes, yes absolutely. Crimes are crimes, and uh, New York State has housed our animal cruelty laws in the Ag and Markets Law, which is the same section that dictates the proper procedures to manufacture frozen desserts and linseed oil. Um, back in the day, it was all, you know, agriculture and how to handle animals that are farmed, et cetera, the cows and horses. Now we know that cruelty is not just a human thing it's also against animals and those crimes belong in the penal law where law enforcement looks law enforcement does not have um, <clears throat> excuse me much interaction with the ag and markets laws as a matter of fact when we pass these new laws it's not like they're included in um, the booklets that are passed out to law enforcement so they need to be also treated more seriously and if they're in the penal law, they will be. They're not just like a side gig for in law enforcement. Oh, there's a cruel crime against an animal. No, it's as important as a crime against a human in terms of the need to enforce the law. And as I said at the top, people who abuse animals often go on to abuse humans. So there's no reason it needs to be in the ag and markets law, and that's something that you know, I faced resistance to, but I will continue to um, to pursue, including bills like um, people who abuse animals should no longer be allowed to adopt animals and have animals. And, you know, that's among the more than 60 other um, bills I have waiting to be passed. And we've got just about a minute or two left, but this measure was named uh, in honor of Bella, if I'm correct. Who was Bella? Oh, Bella was, um, you know, I've forgotten right now. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> I just, it's just slipped out of my mind. But I'm working with okay. um, Animal Legal Defense Fund and other groups, and they've had very serious um, incidents that they're working to prevent in the future, and Bella so was one of those animals that was uh, terribly abused and left to die. So as I wrap up, though, let me just ask this. How does New York State compare with other states when it comes to protection of animals? New York State is rated 
30 seconds by the Animal Legal Defense Fund in terms of animal cruelty laws. So New York, we love to say we're the best in the first, but in terms of animal cruelty, we are not. Uh, we desperately need to catch up. Uh, even though I've passed more than 20 laws about animals, there's so much more we have to do. And, um, you know, part of the problem is we're competing against all these other areas that need change. Um, and there's a limited number of bills that we pass every year. But, you know, every year I pass at least one. And uh, I'm hoping to uh, crank it up in the future with our new progressive uh, colleagues. But it's also the view of, you know, the establishment. Animal laws are important. In New York, in Switzerland, animals have attorneys. And I have a bill to establish that here in New York State. And given how many animal lovers you have in New York State, the demand for greater protection for animals is only rising. And so I will rise to meet that challenge. Um, I know you'll be talking uh, with Adida about the live animal markets bill that I'm working on with her, and that's to ban those live markets where animals are in terrible conditions, are slaughtered, it's inhumane, it's not clean. Uh, so that's one of many efforts I'm, I'm pursuing in the future. And the animals just continue to give us love and be our companions, and they really deserve much more consideration in New York state law. And Assemblymember, uh, where can people go to get more details on these legislative measures? Where do you recommend they go to learn more about you and your work? Okay, they can go to my website, um, which is at nyassembly.gov, and then look for Linda B. Rosenthal. They can go to my Twitter, at Linda B. Rosenthal, my Instagram, Linda B. Rosenthal underscore 67, Linda B. Rosenthal on Facebook, and um, they could just call my office. We can talk. We can email. People give me great ideas based on their own experiences, and um, I love to help everyone, love to help animals, and uh, I'm ready to go. Assemblymember Rosenthal, thank you so much for joining me here on WBAI today. Thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Same here. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. So as the assembly member mentioned, my next guest who will be on in just a few min minutes is Adita Bernkrant, who's the executive director of NYCLASS. Uh, and that stands for New Yorkers for Clean, Livable, and Safe Streets, uh, the acronym being NYCLASS. Uh, it's a nonprofit animal rights organization that was founded a, a dozen years ago on the core mission of saving New York City carriage horses, but also enacting animal rights legislation into law and electing pro-animal candidates to office. So she'll be with us in just a few moments. Uh, in talking with the assembly member, uh, I, you know, you start to listen to these issues, and if you want to get involved, there are so many ways. So the organizations that I'm talking about today, NICLAS and then Voters uh, for Animal Rights, I'll make sure that I post those links on our City Watch Facebook page. Also had looked up the ASPCA because they also had expressed significant concern about carriage horses, and they have something called a Regional Advocacy Field Team, or RAFT, and that's where animal advocates can take action in their communities by supporting the passage of effective animal protection laws. The volunteers who are involved with RAF work closely with the ASPCA's legislative engagement team and other volunteers across the country. So I would encourage you to check out, uh, go to the ASPCA website and look for Raft, and you'll be able to find different ways to get involved. After it's at www. I never, I shouldn't even say www. We're used to that now. ASPCA.org, and that's a great place to go to to learn more about this. So let's check with. Great. Sean, thanks so much for letting me know. And our next guest is Edita Bernkrant, Executive Director of NICLASS. Uh, she's a longtime lover and advocate for animals, the environment, and wild places. She views animal protection as a social justice issue. Previously, 
She was the campaign's director for Friends of Animals, where for a dozen years she worked on numerous local, national, and international animal protection issues for both wildlife and domestic animals around the world, and was integral in introducing and enacting legislation into law to benefit animals in our state and in other states. Edita, welcome to WBAI. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on and devoting a show to animal rights. I think it's so important that you're doing this. Thank you. And, and I've talked at the top of the show about how most people might uh, think of carriage horses when they hear about night class, but you do so much more. Can you first talk about the issues that you focus on and how you choose those issues? Yes, yeah, so NICLAS was formed uh, over a decade ago on the issue of the horse-drawn carriages and, and you know, to work towards ending their abuse because the founder of the organization was so horrified by seeing what these horses go through every, every single day. And since that time, you know, we still are committed to that issue, of course, but we have expanded to work on so many other issues um, affecting animals in the city and the state. And I'm very happy that you had Assembly Member Linda Rosenthal on. She's one of the best champions we have legislatively in the state. We work closely with her. Many other bills um, protecting, you know, pets, wildlife, um, animals used in entertainment, um, farming practices, all of these things that we need to do to change and evolve our treatment of animals for so many different reasons, um, just because it's the moral right thing to do. And also because our treatment of animals has serious impacts on the entire planet. And we see that today where we are with this global pandemic we're in. And um, I hope it serves as a wake-up call that we really need to look at our behavior as human beings, how we treat animals, and how that affects everyone and all of life on Earth, because we're in a real crisis here. How many members, supporters do you have? Um, we have well over 100,000 just in New York and many more around the world, actually. Um, even though we are a New York-based group, we really have supporters all over the country and all over the world. But, um, the largest majority of our supporters, of course, is in New York because that's where we're founded and we mainly work on issues in New York. So we really have a great base of supporters, a great activist community here in New York City that we're very proud to be a part of. So it's a great community of people who care about animal rights in New York. So as much as I try to focus on issues not that don't relate to the pandemic, because so much coverage is about the pandemic, everything that's going on in our world really does you know, every part of our lives is somehow connected. And there's been a significant issue you've focused on this year, which is New York's live animal slaughter markets, because many New Yorkers might not know how many of these there are in the city and what has happened in the last few months. Can you talk about these facilities and what your concern has been? Yes. So, as you said, many New Yorkers do not even know this exists. The fact that, we, you know, the world now has paid attention to what are called wet markets, these live animal markets that often sell wildlife around the, around the world and um, that we believe is the cause of COVID-19. But we have live animal markets that sell domestic animals in our own country and over 80 of them in New York City alone. And why this is a real crisis situation is because we know that live animal markets like these places are a breeding ground for disease. And we know that the next pandemic that hits could actually come from one of these places in our own city, not just in other parts of the world. So we have to realize instead of pointing the finger at other countries for problematic practices and how they farm animals that we have our own nightmare situations for animals happening right here in New York City. There are over 80 of these live animal markets just in New York City alone. They're scattered throughout neighborhoods in Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx. There's only a couple of them in Manhattan, in Upper Manhattan. And um, why these are so problematic and why experts say that this is a perfect storm environment for um, zoonotic diseases is because of the condition. So um, zoonotic diseases jump from animals to humans. And um, 
COVID-19 is not the first um, zoonotic disease to have started from farming animals, and it won't be the last unless we change our practices. So um, according to the CDC, the, the greatest number of new infectious diseases are zoonotic in nature. So the conditions in these live animal markets right here in our own city are a perfect breeding ground for these kind of diseases. So you have many different species of animals. We're talking about different kinds of bird species, geese. Um, you also have larger animals that are being slaughtered in these places, such as sheep, goats, even cows. So you have them crammed in in overcrowded, unsanitary conditions with feces, blood, urine, body parts, and they're all co-mingling the different species. Many of them are sick. And when you have those kind of conditions and then you have human beings interacting with the animals, um, whether it's the customers, the workers, slaughtering them on the spot, this creates exactly the kind of conditions that breed these infectious diseases that can create a future pandemic. So we need to shut these places down. And we already knew that these places were a problem before the pandemic, but they've been operating throughout the entire pandemic. And um, not only are they a health hazard in that way, but for the people that live in these communities, I live just a few miles from one. The people that live in these communities are exposed to serious health hazards because imagine if you were right next door to a slaughterhouse. That's the situation we have in many neighborhoods and many people who live in these neighborhoods don't want these places there and support the legislation to shut them down. And you have in many instances these you know, many slaughterhouses smack dab in the middle of um, highly populated neighborhoods just inches away from people's doorsteps. And often there is feces blood, body parts right out on the public streets that then people have to walk through just to get to their home or to do shopping other stores. So we have a situation where these hazardous materials are left out in the open. I personally and others have documented horrific conditions. Dumpsters filled with rotting body parts. Um, rivers of blood right out in the public street. We simply cannot keep operating these live animal slaughter markets in any kind of safe way. And people who live in these neighborhoods deserve to have a, a healthy, safe environment. And they can't have that if there are slaughter markets next door. So that's why we so, support this bill. So you've been, you've been listening to WBAI 99.5 FM radio, streaming live at WBAI.org. This is City Watch at our new Better Time. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and I'm talking with Edita Bernkrat of uh, NICLASS. Quick, quick question, uh, and then I just want to go to the next topic. But these facilities are licensed by the State Department of Agriculture and Markets. During this pandemic, are they not inspecting them? Are they not seeing these conditions? There have been no inspections during the pandemic that we're aware of, but even before that, there's just so little oversight. The Department of Health has nothing to do with these markets, so they are essentially just operating however they want. There are numerous, um, not only health code violations, but welfare violations. I mean, the conditions and the cruelty these animals live in are, you cannot believe it's real and not a horror movie. I have documented animals cannibalizing each other, in the cages, horrific cruelty, the slaughter methods that go on, and just the fact that these places are operating um, without the proper oversight, right in heavily populated neighborhoods, putting everyone at risk during the pandemic. It's just mind blowing. And I think, you know, we're, we're having some success in educating more New Yorkers about this bill, but I really hope that anyone listening who lives in New York, even if you live outside of the city, Please contact your state assembly member, your state senator, ask them to co-sponsor or give the bill number to shut down these live animal markets. The, the assembly bill number is 10399. The Senate bill number is 8291. We really have a responsibility to shut down these kind of hazardous markets. We cannot keep operating them. And, uh, and a larger issue, I think, if this doesn't serve as a wake-up call, this pandemic, we have to look 
globally, not just in our own backyard, about the way that we treat animals, the way that we farm and confine and slaughter animals that is not only a risk for future pandemics, but environmentally, um, animal agriculture is the leading cause of species extinction, ocean dead zones, water pollution, habitat destruction. It's the reason the Amazon is burning. Um, most crops on Earth are grown to feed animals that will be slaughtered. So at night class, evolve more towards a plant-based diet and ideally totally plant-based because if you care about the environment, if you care about social justice, if you care about animals, if you care about the future of life on earth, we cannot continue to slaughter billions of animals the way we are doing that destroys the environment. It's detrimental to human It's a food injustice issue. Instead of feeding crops directly to people, we're feeding them to animals that we're torturing and slaughtering. So across the board, there's so many reasons why if we use this pandemic and this global crisis as a reason, as a way to really reset our thinking and look at how we are treating animals and how that will affect the future of life on Earth. And what can I do, the person who's listening, what can I do in my life to make people often feel powerless? Like, oh, we, you know, there's so many problems in the world, but we do have a choice most of us over what we eat every day and if you can choose a less violent uh, food system then I think that's something that you can be empowered to do because it not only has impact on a local level it has a global impact because really our food system globally is a huge huge disaster on so many levels Um, just pick, pick a reason so the more that people can transition to a plant-based diet, um, the better for everyone. So that is our goal at night class, to educate people as to why um, our food system is so problematic and what we can do to change it. And this legislation in New York can set a precedent. If we could shut down live animal markets in New York, that will make it easier for other states to do this. You know, I know Senator Cory Booker, um, has an initiative with, with other of his colleagues and Congress in the House to um, put a call out to shut down all wet markets, um, wildlife animal markets globally. And that is important too. Um, but we can also start in our own backyard by shutting down these dangerous, cruel places that exist right in many neighborhoods in our city. We can really um, set the stage for this to have a domino effect around the country and around the world. And so, it, also, what we do in New York has a big impact around the country. So, it's very important we pass this legislation. So, Adina, I've got just a minute left, but and I'll be speaking more uh, specifically with the next guest about uh, supporting candidates and that, that right. process. But very briefly, right. what obviously NICLAS endorses candidates to what will you be looking for in, the, in our final minute? What will you be looking for in your endorsement process to hear from candidates that NICLAS would support in our 2021 elections here in the city? Yes, of course, electing pro-animal rights candidates is key in making these changes um, and making history for animals and the environment. And what we look for is we do, you know, we create a very thorough candidate questionnaire. We ask them um, about specific issues, their positions. We make them take a position on those issues so then we can hold it to them later. And it has to be just more not about talk. You know, anyone could answer a question the way you want to, but we want to make sure that these are values that these candidates have, that they see that animal rights is part of a progressive social justice movement. It's not a fringe. You know, our motto at Nine Class is we love animals and we vote. And candidates now understand that there are many people that are single issue voters for animals. Like they will vote or not vote for you based on your position on animal rights. And we need to expand that. And we need um, uh, elected officials and candidates to understand that animal rights is a serious important issue for many people and it is interconnected to so many other social justice issues about how we treat those that are at our mercy you know we have a moral duty to do the right thing and also as i mentioned it's connected to all life on earth because our treatment of animals 
affects all of us. It's the reason we're in this pandemic. It's the reason that we're in an environmental crisis and a health crisis. And we can make the decision to make changes and move towards a plant-based diet. And that's what my hope is for all of the listeners. And they can um, join efforts at NICLASS. You can go to NICLASS.org, N-Y-C-L-A-S-S. We will be doing many endorsements for candidates, and we're working on so many issues um, for animal rights in New York City and New York State and beyond. So we want everyone to join us in this effort. Adita Burkrant, thank you so much for uh, appearing here at WBAI today. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great day. So you've been listening to WBAI 99.5 FM radio. The show is also streaming live at WBAI.org. This is City Watch at our new better time to start off your day. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. My co-host, David Brand, is off today, but we'll be on the next show in two weeks because we're preempted uh, next Sunday. That doesn't mean you shouldn't tune in to WBAI. I think you should watch. watch. <laughs> you should listen uh, to WBAI all the time. Uh, Adita and I would have had so many other uh, issues to talk about, but our time is short. So I didn't delve too deeply into the 2021 elections because I was saving that conversation for our last guest. I mean, think about it. Next year, we're expected to see, and this is pre-pandemic numbers, so I'm really curious to see how the numbers uh, shake out in the next few months. But we were expecting to see about 500 candidates for the majority of New York City's open council seats. The majority of them are going to be open due to term limits. Uh, the mayor, controller, borough presidents. And when it comes to the issues, animal rights organizations like NICLAS and my next guest from Voters for Animal Rights do endorse candidates as they did so in the recent primary elections on June, June 23rd. They look at candidates' positions on a number of issues, such as shuttering slaughterhouses, protecting wildlife. So that brings me to my final guest today, Ali Feldman-Taylor. Ali Feldman-Taylor is the president of Voters for Animal Rights, which she founded four years ago. During the group's inaugural year, she helped co-lead the successful campaign to ban wild animals in the circus in New York City, and that became law in July of 2017. And previously, she was affiliated with NICLAS. She led the NICLAS campaign to ban carriage horses from city streets for over five years and ran the successful Anybody But Quinn campaign to defeat uh, an anti-animal candidate for New York City mayor, getting animal rights into mainstream city politics for the first time. Welcome to WBAI. Thanks for having me. So I just gave a brief description about you and about Voters for Animal Rights, but can you talk a bit more about why you founded the organization and about the issues you focus on? Sure. So I founded Voters for Animal Rights because I saw a dire need for a political advocacy organization um, for animal rights. And I saw coming out of the 2013 elections for city council and mayor that there was unprecedented um, support and activism for animal rights, but that we just needed to be organized in order to get our issues done. And I think that we play a role ser by serving as the political arm for animals in New York. Um, and we have a huge job coming up in 2021 when there's gonna be a massive turnover um, of over two thirds of the city council. Um, as you mentioned, we just worked on the 2020 primary in New York State, and we had a great election cycle. Um, we put most of our energy into electing Jabari Brisport to the New York State Senate. He actually is a former board member at Voters for Animal Rights, um, and he is now the first black, gay, vegan public school teacher elected to the New York State Senate. He actually represents um, the district that I live in here in Bedside, Brooklyn. Um, in 2021, we're already starting to look at who those candidates are. We're having Zooms constantly with different candidates, and we are talking to them about the issues that matter for uh, not just for New York animals, but for New York City residents as well. Um, some of those issues are, of course, banning the sale of fur and, and the use of horse-drawn carriages, um, but also issues that have a profound effect on New York City residents, uh, human residents as well. 
like establishing that homeless shelters can adopt, can accommodate companion animals, ensuring that humane education is implemented and taught in all public schools as it's required by state law, um, and making plant-based foods more accessible, especially in schools and hospitals. So I, I read an interview with, that you'd done with uh, Sentient Media where you talked about how every animal rights activist has an aha moment in their life. Talk about yours. My aha moment when I decided that um, I, you know, had my aha moment was when I was watching um, the movie Food, Inc. And in it, they talk about um, how workers are treated on meat processing plants and the trauma that workers go through um, and also the injuries and the lack of health care for workers. And that was something that struck me very intensely, that the food that was being put on our plate came from a place um, that not only provided uh, intense, excruciating suffering for animals, but also intense, excruciating suffering um, for the human workers that are part of producing it and packaging it and making it look look like something palatable for uh, consumption. And also in that movie, of course, that was where I first saw exactly how a uh, cow is processed for meat from the time that they, um, you know, go into the slaughterhouse um, and the entire process of how they're killed. That was my aha moment when I knew that this was something that I wanted to work on for the rest of my life. So I talked with Assemblymember Linda Rosenthal about the passage in the Senate of the uh, anti-puppy mill legislation. It, obviously, the Assembly has not voted on this yet. What are your hopes for this? So this was definitely a challenging and unique year in the New York State Legislature. Um, you know, we came out very strong in February with the bill to ban the sale of dogs and cats and rabbits and pet stores. Um, and the bill was moving along well, and then COVID hit. So we weren't sure how this was going to pan out this year, um, but thanks to the leadership of Senator Michael Gianaris, he made a big push um, this past week, and the bill passed the New York Senate, and now we're working um, to uh, get all of our advocates to call their assembly member and urge the bill come to a vote. So I want to get to the election process because this is fascinating. And you and I talked a bit uh, when we were talking about doing the show about yeah. what it's going to look like in this next year. I mean, A, we're going to have as many as 500 or it's estimated there'll be about 500 candidates who run. But it's a new world. And I'm used to going to in the past going to you know community centers and sitting there while candidates debate. But now it all has to be done differently. Talk a little about how your endorsement process is going to work. Sure. So this year's elections are going to be unlike any other elections we've ever seen before. I've worked on campaigns in Ohio, in Florida, in New York, and in Jersey. And those campaigns are based on human-to-human interaction by knocking on doors and making a connection with voters. Um, We saw in the election of Jabari Bridgeport a huge change in Uh, the tactics that had to be used to reach voters, especially being an insurgent candidate. In January and February, we were knocking on doors, and by March, that was simply impossible. So the entire campaign had to be shifted from one that was on the ground to one that was entirely digital, meaning we could only make phone calls, we could only send text messages, and we could only do mail. And if you didn't have a phone number for a voter, there was very little chance of having any means of connecting with them. Um, You know, gone are the days when you can go as a candidate or as a volunteer and talk to block associations because they're not having their meetings in person. So this, I don't think, is going to change any time in the near future. I think COVID is probably going to be with us for quite a long time. Um, But it was a good chance for us to test out what is going to work in 2021. And I think what we're going to see is campaigns are, again, going to shift from on the ground to more of electronic strategy, um, more of a digital strategy with um, online ads, lots and lots and lots and lots of phone banking. I can't stress enough how much phone banking (laughs) we did for this past primary. Um, Text messaging campaigns, 
um, relational organizing among friends and neighbors, um, and certainly lots of mail. And what positions, what do you want to hear from our mayoral candidates in particular, and our city council candidates when it comes to animal rights? So for us, I think the focus this election cycle will be more on the city council rather than on the mayor's race. Um, the current mayor, well, I'm, I do not agree with a lot of the things that he's been doing lately. Um, over the past eight years, we have seen a lot of improvements um, in legislation passed to help animals. And one of the things that was most helpful that the de Blasio administration did was putting in um, an office of animal welfare and having a, leg- having a liaison uh, to the animal rights community, which has made it so much easier for us to navigate and communicate with various city agencies and departments that handle animal policy. And so that's something that absolutely needs to continue um, with the next mayor. But really, um, some of the, the biggest lesson that I think we learned from 2013 and 2017 um, is that the focus really needs to be on those 51 seats in the city council, because it's impossible to get anything done unless you can get the votes in the council to get it passed. So we're going to be looking at candidates um, that support our platform, which, as I mentioned earlier, uh, would be topics such as banning horse-drawn carriages, banning the sale of fur, um, establishing that homeless shelters can can accommodate companion animals, um, ensuring that humane education is taught in public schools, um, making plant-based eating more accessible, and increasing legal protections for New York City's incredible urban wildlife and increasing funding for wildlife rehabilitation centers. So we've got just about a minute or two left. And I think about, you know, the world around us, the pandemic. I mean, we are all concerned about our health and safety uh, and so many issues that might have come to the fore if there wasn't a pandemic are now kind of on the sidelines. What are your hopes for the existing city council body over this next year, you know, for many of them in their final, you know, in their final year in office, what do you hope they take on? If there's one or two accomplishments you hope that you can achieve in this next year through the city council and mayor, what would they be? I mean, I would like to see the city council um, start to make the connection between factory farming and the way, um, uh, that workers are treated um, in meat plants. I think that uh, we know that the conditions for animals are horrifying, but the workers are fighting for conditions and we need to fight with and for them. Um, the environmental impacts are disproportionately affecting communities of color. Um, and I think that the best way to work on ending factory farming um, and to, you know, is to improve labor conditions. And I think, um, I would like to see the city council sort of start to make that type of connection over the next year. And Allie, where can people go to learn more about voters for animal rights and get involved? They can go to our website. It's vfar.org, vfar.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Voters for Animal Rights and on Twitter at The Animal Voters. Allie Feldman-Taylor, founder and president of Voters for Animal Rights, thanks so much for joining me here on WBAI today. Thanks for having me. So once again, I just want to let our listeners know about that website. It's VFAR, V-F-A-R dot org. Uh, I, I advise you check it out. You can also learn more about some of the issues uh, that are important to this organization and to those who care about animal protection and animal rights. I've got just about two or three minutes left, so I want to thank you again for tuning in to City Watch at our new time. Again, my host, David Brand, is off today. He'll be hosting in uh, two weeks since we're off next week. If you've enjoyed the show, I want to just make that brief, brief, brief pitch. Please, in the name of our show, become a WBAI buddy. If you've got a moment, all that means is you give a sustaining contribution like I do. Every month, it's right on my credit card. You can give $10, $15, $20, more, the more the better. Uh, and that'll help us. That will help keep us on the air. Remember, we're non-commercial. We're non-corporate. We've been around for 60 years. We want to be around for 60 more. So let me give you that number to call. 516-620-3602. And if you don't want to talk to anyone, you just want to do it online, easy. 
go to this address, give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. That's give to WBAI.org. If you enjoy City Watch, make sure you uh, give the name of City Watch and say you're making a contribution. You could also do a one-time contribution. And for $35, which is what I did twice then because I wanted these, you can also donate $35 and ask for a WBAI face mask. So you can show off your WBAI pride and hopefully encourage more people to tune in to listen to our show. So I want to thank my guests today, New York State Assembly member Linda Rosenthal, uh, Adita Byrne-Krent, Executive Director of NICLASS, and who you just heard from, Ali Feldman-Taylor of Voters for Animal Rights. If you care about the issues we discussed in protecting animals, I encourage you to visit their websites, learn more, get involved. If you wish to follow me on social media, where I announce our guests each week, my Twitter handle is Jack Heights, J-A-C-K, H-I-T-E-S. That's because I live in Jackson Heights. But you also could just go to the WBAI.org website and look at the slider and you'll see the guests for this show and any other shows that are coming up. I will be back this Thursday. I encourage you to tune in at 5 o'clock when I bring you on Driving Forces three special guests, including... And you've heard this name a lot recently because of his monumental achievement, congressional candidate Jamal Bowman, followed by New York State Assembly candidate Zoran Mamdani, and then a very interesting book I read called Political Junkies. I'm going to have the author on, Claire Bond Porter. Cannot Potter. Cannot wait for this lineup this Thursday. Again, thank you so much for listening to City Watch on WBAI today. Have a wonderful day. like the bash the mainstream media those same voices rarely offer an alternative lucky for you you found the alternative already you're tuned to it right now hi my name is reggie johnson and i'm the host of from the soundboard wbai is a listener supported commercial free radio station that loves to challenge the norms and defy them but in order to keep providing you with groundbreaking conversations and unique arts content you rely on we need your help donate by visiting give to that's the number two wbai.org or pledge right from your smartphone by texting the letters WBAI two four one four 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 and thank you for your support. Hello, WBAI listeners and supporters. Tune in Friday, July 31st from 10 p.m. to midnight for the second report of 2020 from the WBAI Local Station Board. This month, you'll hear from various members of the board. They'll talk about their responsibilities, recent developments throughout the network, and ask for your ideas on how to build a stronger WBAI. So mark that date on your calendar. Friday, July 31st, 10 p.m. to midnight. The second report of 2020 from the WBAI Local Station Board. Only on WBAI in New York, 99.5 on your FM dial. Streaming live at WBAI.org. The census is the count of everyone in the United States, no matter your immigration status. The census count is how our communities get billions of dollars for programs that we all rely on. You'll be able to do this online or even over the phone. Now let's go through some of the questions. This looks easy. So the census asks, how many people live in your home? Do you rent or own? Everyone's name, how you're related, age, ethnicity, and home phone number. So me and my wife, we have two kids. I'm 40. 
you get the idea. Your information is completely confidential. By law, it cannot be shared with anyone. The census only comes once every 10 years, and 2020 is our chance to get it right. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? If you're headed out like Lizzo, you grab your cell phone, your keys, and your mask. And if you don't have a WBAI mask yet, call 516-620-3602 and order one in white or black. 516-620-3602 for a contribution of $35 to this listener-sponsored non-corporate radio station. These masks are cool. They're in black or white. They're 100% cotton. They have the saying, keep free speech radio alive on them. And remember, when you head out the door, you grab your keys, you grab your cell phone, you check yourself, and you grab your mask, and you put it on. Hey.